Uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that's in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Hey, welcome to the battle, and thanks for joining us again here, Faith in Your Recovery. We're glad you're part of our listening audience, and make sure you let your friends know, like, subscribe, get involved with us, send us an email, contact us. Today, we're looking forward to our interviewee. Our guest is Desi Hargis. Welcome, Desi. Thank you. You are welcome. We look forward to what you have to share, but I've got to start with a left-field question because I've never met somebody who has a pet wolf, right? (laughs) Yes, sir. Tell us about that. That interests me. Okay, I've just grown up loving animals, and wolf's kind of like my spirit animal, so her name is Spirit, and she's a handful, very stubborn, very smart, but I just love her. How long have you had Spirit? Two years. Two years. How old is Spirit? She's two. two. She just turned two in December. Okay. All right. What What drew you to a wolf of all animals? Because just your your spirit equal kind of thing? I think so. I've always had a dog kind of growing up. There was always dogs around. So I've just always loved dogs. And why not get a wolf dog? Okay. Um, yeah. What's the difference in Parenting, may I use that word? Parenting a wolf versus parenting a dog. Oh, much different. Um, Like I said, she's very smart, so she's good at escaping. There's um, just a different type of a habitat. You have to give her a different diet. Training is much more difficult. All right. Well, it sounds like that's a fun challenge, but you're obviously it's rewarding. up for the challenge. Yeah. She trusts me. She doesn't trust any other human, so it's very rewarding to have that bond. That's interesting. Yeah, you've uh, you've become one there. As you said, you know, your spirit equals there, so that's good stuff. All right. Let's get into your story. Let's go back early in life. Tell us what your upbringing was like. What I want to do is go back to those moments. I want you to share with us some of the dark times as we move forward. We'll always end on an up note and uh, where God has you now and how life is going and your goals. So go, let's go back near the beginning and you choose where and share, please. Okay. Um, So to begin with, um, I was born to drug addicts. Uh, My father was a big time dealer in a little town in Florida. My mom was... um, Already a few years into her addiction. Um, Her addiction started at the age of 13. So, What with? um, Cocaine. Okay. Um, She had a traumatic experience and turned to drugs to cope with it. Her parents were not supportive. Her mother was an alcoholic. Her father was at the time, but got sober later on. So long history of many generations of addiction. And that's the story, isn't it? That's part of the So I was born with cocaine in my system, actually. Uh, My dad told me about how it was all different colors and withdrew really bad as a baby. He had a lot of guilt for that and tried really hard to get my mom to get sober. She wouldn't. She started just messing around with lots of other men, so it, you know, tore them apart. I was taken from my mom, I believe, the first time, a little over a year old. 
Um, when you say taken by the system? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I know a few times I was placed with family members. Um, that first time I was placed with my dad's brother. I've just last year got to connect with him, and I call it meeting him. For him, it's like re-seeing me, but I didn't remember him. You know, I was sure. so little. He actually told me I was so dirty they didn't know I had blonde hair until they showered me, and I was covered in cigarette burns and bite marks. So I believe my abuse started about the age of one. Um, so most of my childhood was moving from place to place, living with a bunch of strangers and just different circumstances. I find that to be kind of a blessing in the sense that I have a wide variety of knowledge that some people don't have, a wide variety of experiences that you don't get when you were raised in one family. Yes. You know, by being with so many different people, sure. I got to see a whole lot of different things. A lot of different influences, oh. good, bad, or ugly. You exactly. certainly sampled much of life. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've known Jesus and been very close to him since I was a very young child. Um, I went through lots of traumatic experiences. And some, I tell you, Jesus was right there with me. Um, Give us ballpark. You say since being a young child, what are you talking? What age area? Five, six? Uh, By the age of three, I was giving out tracts and letting people know that Jesus loved them. So I would say very, very early. Well, I had you much older, obviously. Yes. So that's good. That's good. What? What was the draw to you to become involved with Jesus? Uh, obviously, you know, his goals, his desires to involve us. Why did it work for you? Um, I think because I had nobody else. I had nowhere else to turn to, nobody else to hold to. I was moved so much that I was never close with anybody. So I had Jesus. He was there with me everywhere I went. Um, I believe my uncle was the first to probably tell me about him when That's I lived with him at the, around the age of two. What I wanted to hear. Yes. yes. Um, he is a believer. And since we've gotten in touch, we pray together all the time. Um, How awesome. So I believe that he's one probably that influenced that beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move beyond those early years. Okay. Let's go to junior high age, that kind of thing. So I was not much of a normal teenager. Um, I was in a girl's home and still just kind of in the system. So I didn't get to have much of a normal teenage upbringing. Besides the rebellious, I was very rebellious. Um, I was very spiteful and just hateful at life. Um, why couldn't my parents love me? Why didn't my parents take care of me? A lot of anger. So I took that out on everybody around me. Sure. That's understandable. You didn't know much else at yeah. that time. It doesn't sound like no. uh, what any sense of normalcy was. You knew what your normal had been, but not what society's normals considered. Yes, sir. So at the age of 11, I was adopted by a family. And I rejected them because they had their own biological children. And I was so jealous of their children that I could not accept being part of their family. Um, so they, as soon as I turned 13, put me in a girl's home to try to keep me safe. Um, I have a lot of love and respect for them because I know they tried to do what was best for me. They just didn't know the things I'd been through and the help that I really needed. Sure. Have you been in contact with them of late? Is there still any kind of relationship? I tried, um, but for them to, once they terminated their rights when I was 15, they had to mourn me as if I had like passed away because it was so painful for them to lose me as a child. Um, so in their mourning process, they just kind of treated as if I had passed away. I understand. So once I tried to, you know, repair that relationship and build one with them, they told me that they just couldn't. I think the prodigal son in scripture and how the father had said, you're dead to me. 
he had to as a part of his grieving. And I understand the historical aspect, but I get that. Sometimes the only way we can take care of ourselves is to at least cut strings with certain other people. Again, good, bad, or ugly. I'm very much into that Clint Eastwood theology terms, all right? Okay, Uh, tell us as life went on from there. How were you doing in school? Oh, I was a straight-A student. Um, People were really jealous because it always just clicked. I I skipped most of high school and still made straight A's. Um, School just was really easy for me the educational part of it. I just didn't want to be there. I didn't want to do it. I want to do other things. It wasn't cool? Pretty much. Yeah. And then I was judged for it being straight-A student. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. cool for that. Well, of course not. <laughs> there had to be jealousy on other students' parts. You're, you're able to do it without showing any any work or effort, and they're struggling to get a B, yes. and there you are with an A. So I'm sure you weren't the most popular in that respect. Yes. Was all this time we're talking about here, was that in Florida? Yes, sir. Uh, okay. Uh, how old were you when you moved from Florida? That may be jumping ahead, but... I was almost 20 when I moved up here. To, um, I moved to Indianapolis first and okay. lived there for a few years. I've been here in Anderson for almost six years now. Okay. So uh, what were your high school years like? Very much like your junior high years? Um, yeah, I've made straight A's very easily. I started just skipping school all the time. Um, teachers never gave me trouble because I was still there for test days, and I still turned in my homework through other students. Enough to get by. Yes. Yeah, yeah. When did your personal addiction issues begin? Um, so, you know, I've spent a lot of time reflecting on that. So this job being here has really encouraged me to share my story and think more about it, whereas I've spent most of my life kind of ignoring that part of my life. Go ahead and tell the folks what your job is, what you're doing okay. in life. Let's fill them in on that, and then we'll give them the details. I am training to become a peer recovery coach. Um, so right now I'm kind of in the field training, and it's a way of like giving back. Um, to me, my biggest thing is trying to turn all of the pain that I've been through into purpose. Um, and I feel like just influencing one person to see that no matter what you've been through and where you've come from, you can change your mindset and give yourself a better life. It would be rewarding. It would make everything I've went through be worth it if I could just encourage one person. Well, I can assure you that's going to happen. I can just tell by your sincerity that that's, that's a great value and worth to you, and others are going to see that too. So uh, tell us about your, your opening rounds with addiction, how you think it got started, what your drugs of choice were, what your, what your life looked like during that time of active use. Okay. At the age of 15, I had my first alcoholic drink and um, marijuana with my parents. Um, Again, my dad was a dealer, so he told me anything I wanted, just ask him. He'd rather me get it from him than anybody else, so he knew it was safe. My mom, however, was a horrible influence and just wanted me to do the drugs with her. So she tried to get me started on those, but I ended up moving away from her. I realized soon that it was a toxic situation, so by the age of barely over 16, I was on my own. She had never went and got rights from me when my adopted family terminated rights. So legally, I was kind of in a limbo of being able to do whatever I wanted. I had no legal parent or guardian. I had my first daughter at 17, and after birth, they prescribed me pain medication, 
Well, her father would take my medication and snort it. And so I was like, well, let me try it. So with the rest of that prescription, you know, I abused how I took it. Um, may have taken it how it was prescribed and it was prescribed to me, but I didn't take it the right way. Yes. Now, once that was gone, that was fine. I didn't touch anything else for quite some time. You didn't have, you weren't at a point where you needed to go on the street. I wouldn't have known who to at that point. I was so worried about just trying to be a good mom and take care of my baby that I don't think I would have applied myself to trying to find it at that point. in your mind, at least at that time, you were trying to just deal with the pain. Correct. Okay. I just feel that I was abusing how I was taking it. That was wrong. And I think that's where it started. Just that allowing myself to go there. Yeah. So I had just turned 18, or I was about to turn 18, I'm sorry, and my father passed. I was very devastated. I had just had, what, a couple of years of trying to get to know who he was. So I was just very shocked and devastated. And um, my mom was an IV drug user and told me she knew how to make me feel better. And she shot me up for my first time that day. And I was hooked instantly. Um, that numb, just that oblivion, that at the time what seemed like peace, and I was spent months chasing that, which I really regret because my daughter, I have no idea, I don't remember much of that time period, so I know that I couldn't have been a very good mom during that time period. I apologize if this is inaccurate, and please correct me, but listening to your story, I get the impression your mom's answer to everything was was drugs. Correct. Is that pretty accurate? Yes, sir. Okay, so of course it was so easy for you to obtain. Uh, you had a, a mentor yeah. to show you how to do it and everything else, and it was easy to fall into it. It was easy to fall into it. It got hard to maintain it, um, the things that my mom started demanding of me to do. To obtain drugs just became too much. Um, yeah, it was really just bad. I don't see how mom could do that to her own child. What, what was your life during that time? Uh, I'm sure Christ was still in your heart. You may not have been actively pursuing him and his will and ways. What was it that got you through other than his grace? Was there somebody in your corner, a relative, a friend, a teacher, anybody you were able to turn to that you knew was a positive influence? At that time, no. Um, I tried to turn to my grandparents, and they refused to help me because they were scared. They would accidentally enable me and help me be more like my mom. They saw what she went through, and they didn't want to take a chance on encouraging me down that road, so they completely stopped talking to me. I had literally nobody to turn to at that point. I'm guessing they probably warranted or not carried some guilt because of how your mom had turned out. Quote, unquote, we messed up with her. We don't want to mess up with you. So they felt it was better for you to fend for yourself than what they could offer you. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. How did you survive those moments? Uh, How did you make it to the next step? Um, So while I was in my addiction and my mom's was out of control, um, unfortunately, I witnessed a murder and I was forced to deal with some of that um so some months later you know detectives come around and start investigating things and of course i'm going to cover for my mom so i'm trying to skate by and lie the 
best I can to try to keep everything away. We got to a point where we just couldn't anymore. There was a search warrant. So a detective, and I'll never forget this day because this lady, I swear, is the one that made the difference. Um, or, okay, not the detective. Sorry, it's a DCS worker. But first, the detective found my lockbox. So um, I kept all my paraphernalia in a lockbox because I was terrified that my daughter could ever get a hold of it, and I didn't want that. Um, so they forced me to open the box and I did. And immediately I was so embarrassed and ashamed because I knew what was coming. Like, you're going to take my kid and I don't know how I'm going to cope with this. Well, they called DCS and a DCS worker came in and she knew me. She had taken me from my parents and I'll never forget her saying, I don't want to take your daughter from you. You've got to choose who are you going to take care of? Are you going to keep taking care of your mom? Are you going to take care of your daughter? And that was the wake-up call for me that, wow, I'm sitting here trying to earn my mom's affection while neglecting my child. And that was the turning point for me. I I told them, I need help. Like, please don't take her. If you take her, I have no reason to keep going. Please just let me prove to you that she's worth more than this. She was your only child at that time. At the time, she was my only child. Okay. And she was how old? She was two. She was two. And so what the DCS lady's telling you, you've got to make a choice. Is it going to be mom or is it going to be your daughter? Exactly. Not an easy choice. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not even sure how to, how to approach that. You know, I, you just mentioned that you said, please don't take my daughter. Get me help. What was their basic response? Their response was if um, they would come back in a few days and if I could Peter clean, you know, because the opiates would only stay in your system for a few days. So as long as I didn't do any more from then on, I'd be able to test clean a couple of days and they wouldn't remove her. They would just come back in a couple of days and test me again. I never used again after that. So, of course, I tested clean. My mom still tested dirty, though. So it became an issue. Well, we can't live with her then. So we chose to be homeless um, so I could keep my daughter and get away from my mom until my daughter's grandma here in Indianapolis offered to let us come up here. So the three generations of you were homeless at that time. Your mom. Oh no. Mom stayed at the house. Um, mom oh, stayed there. You ch- she wouldn't leave. Your daughter. <laughs> I had to, you. they were going to still remove her from the home because my mother was still using, yes. even though I tested clean. Got you. So I had to leave with my daughter since mom wouldn't leave. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I understand that. Um, and you say at that moment you you stopped your usage and you haven't used since. Correct. I've been prescribed medicine again other times when, you know, I've had surgeries and stuff and sure. needed it. But I was really um, kind of controlling over it. I never finished my prescriptions just because I wanted to prove that I didn't need to. Um, I used them less than I was prescribed them just to kind of prove that I could have the power over them. Like, okay, the doctors say I need this to make it through it, and the pain is really bad, so we'll take half of what I'm prescribed just to take the edge of the pain off. And then I really prided myself on being able to flush. Okay, I heard flushing's not the best, but at the time I didn't know that. But I took pride in just flushing the rest of them because then I had the power over it, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. Uh, Was there any relationship with your mom during this time or did you have to cut ties and be void from her? I had to be almost all the way gone. Um, every now and then I could message her, but it was still a lot of those, I get my hopes up. 
Uh, she was in prison for 18 months and was clean, right? So she got out and I had my hopes up so high. She was wanting to repair her relationship with me, be a better grandmother to her, my daughter. And she started using again. And that was the last time I, I refused to ever let my hopes get up again. I realized that it wasn't fair to myself to be part of her roller coaster. And I needed to emotionally space myself at that point. Though you are again still having to make that choice on a daily basis between mom and daughter, it seems yeah. to me. Yeah. And so, I mean, I went and visited her pretty often still. Um, we would just only go for a few days. And, you know, it's a 16-hour drive. So we would just go down there for a few days once a year. Um, each kid I had, I have four now. So each time I had another baby, I went down so she could meet her other grandchild. Um, there was November of 2017, I got a call that she was in a diabetic coma and they didn't expect her to make it. So at the time I was married, we rushed down there. Um, wanted to be able to say bye to her. Well, I got in a bad accident in Georgia on the way down there and took me a couple days longer to get down there. By the time I did, she was discharged from the hospital. I get there and she still had the audacity to ask me for money for drugs. Yeah. And I was like, mom, I can't do this anymore. Like I've tried so hard to make you a part of these grandkids' lives and to make sure you met them, but this isn't right. Like you can't do this. We almost died and you don't even care. Well, then in November of 2018, she passed. And it was really hard. Um, at first, it was like, well, I mean, we knew this was coming. You know, we watched her health decline. She was nothing but like a bag of bones by the end. You know, she was so unhealthy looking. This beautiful woman that men used to trip themselves over has now like just withered away. But when she passed, it allowed me to accept all the abuse that she had inflicted over the years, all the abandonment, all the neglect. So I went through a really bad just depression. Um, it was really deep. Um, in the summer, end of summer 2020, I, um, went and got a bottle of alcohol and a six pack of beer and got myself just completely wasted. Um, I had my loaded gun that I, I just take, I take to the range often. So I knew it was working and I had enough liquid courage as they were calling it, you know, to pull the trigger. So I had my kids gone for the weekend, and I went in my backyard and pulled the trigger. I had the gun in my mouth, pulled the trigger, and it didn't, it didn't go off. And I remember just looking up at the sky and screaming at God, like, why? Why are you making me stay here? That was my question. Did that anger you or cause? Oh, I was mad. Why are you forcing me to stay here? Like, even my children would be better off without me. They could go to a family that has a mommy and a dad and a healthier mom at that. You know, I had reasoned all the stuff why it would be so much better if I was just gone. And so I was very angry at God at first, like, why are you forcing me to stay here? And it isn't until last year that I finally am able to say that I want to live. There's things I look forward to seeing now. What was the moment? What was the lights on or the spirit in, whatever you want to lay It's taken a couple years of just shifting my mindset of instead of why me, well, why not me? Exactly. Um, just really seeing that, again, you can go through and come from anywhere and still build your life. I was raised to be a thief and a liar and a cheater and a horrible person, but I chose that's not who I'm going to be. That's, that's an incredible st <laughs> statement right there. Uh, it would have been easier to remain where you were than to fight your way out of it. And just the, the the attempted 
suicide and that quote-unquote not working. Indeed, it worked as far as God's plan (laughs) goes. I don't want to confuse anyone, but in your mind, you had failed again. So what... How did you turn it around? You know, I got what you said about the idea of changing your attitude, but you could have done that six years earlier. Yeah, so in 2018, I went through a really bad divorce. Um, After my mom passing and everything, I just, I'd been miserable in my marriage for over a year. My husband was just not great to us, Um, and I just knew it was time I need to do something different. He was starting to be kind of verbally abusive to our daughter and I couldn't tolerate that. So I chose to yet again be homeless. I lived in a tent with my four kids for months looking for help and begging people for help. Just Where was this? This was in Indianapolis and this is what spurred me to move to Anderson. What time of year? Um, summer, thankfully. Okay. <laughs> yes. for, uh, Spring into summer. You say a matter of months, couple, three months kind of thing? It was probably three to four months. Yes, sir. Um, because it was, I want to say by August, I had gotten into a program that was going to help me get into a housing. Um, it was a one year program. Um, so there's a program called family hope. Um, and I'd called them because DCS wouldn't help me. And I'll tell you on that one, honestly, um, when I called DCS and I'm living in a tent with four kids, I thought surely they're going to help me. Right. They told me they couldn't because I don't do drugs. I had um, access to electricity and I'd set it up like a little home. Um, in somebody's backyard. So I paid somebody 20 bucks a week to run out electric uh, cord and to let us use their showers. So DCS said I was doing the best I could with what I had. So there was nothing they could and really do for me. You were. And I remember feeling so defeated. Like, do I need to go get high to get help? Like, this doesn't feel fair. But thankfully, there was strength and encouragement to not go down that route um, and to just keep pushing, um, to just keep looking for an answer. And again, every day I was out applying for jobs. Every day I was pushing a stroller and had one of my kids helping me push a lawnmower. We take turns looking for just a yard to mow so I could feed the kids that day. Um, Just making it day by day, going to different um, food pantries, making it work. And then I contacted um, somebody on Facebook had just sent me this info for Family Hope. And I was like, well, let's call them. You never know. This lady came out and she met with me and She's like, okay, so here's what we can do. So they hosted my kids, uh, my younger two for two weeks and my older two for a week. So it's kind of like a foster home. They're like checked like a foster home, but it's all in my power. Okay. Um, and I got to talk to my kids every day still. I got to see them on the weekend. Don't sign them away. Exactly. It was just me saying, I appreciate you letting them have somewhere warm to sleep friends. for tonight. Exactly. That's how the kids thought of them were family friends. Sure. And the kids remember that as a great time. They thought it was like a little vacation. In that time, though, I was able to start working and save up some money to get daycare started so they could come back to the tent with me. Um, And so we were able to get into that program house. In that, um, it was a one-year program that I graduated in seven months. I was really proud of myself because I've always been kind of like a quitter. I never finished anything. So to finish that program and graduate early at that, and it was really just inspiring because they were feeling defeated. None of the other moms had really taken advantage of the program. They'd used them and just kind of broke a lot of the rules. Here I came in all just like broken and ready to really make this make hey, a difference so for my family. a success story for them as well yes. as yourself. So it really encouraged them to keep the program going, which felt good to be able to like encourage them. I want to back up to the very beginning of what you shared with us. 
I'm getting emotional here, folks. Hold on. <laughs> Your comments were something like, I just want to make a difference in one life. You've already done it. You know, being that success story that allowed them to move forward, it encouraged them to reach out to somebody else. You've made the difference you wanted to make. I'm sure you'll continue to. You're not going to be satisfied with that, I hope, okay? But don't sell yourself short, please. Uh, what you've done with your life and your children, they have potential now instead of problems. You know, we all have problems, but some of them we, we cast on ourselves, Uh at least you're not casting on that generation what was cast on yours. Yes. They've got a fighting chance. You said you had four now, right? Yes. There's four kids whose lives you've influenced in a positive way from where you were, from the darkness to to the light that you've shown them. Uh, what would you say? Let's say there's another Desi out there, somebody who's going through trauma as you did, whatever that defines as or whatever it may have been. What would be the advice you'd give to not your spirit wolf, but your spirit neighbor? I'd say the biggest thing is love covers all. Once you love yourself, you build yourself. And then you can pour that love out to others. And ultimately, it was Jesus' love that saved me. So love covers all. Love conquers all. Amen to that. Yeah. I I think back to that moment with the gun. I think you said to your head, or was it in the mouth? I had it in my mouth. Okay. And it it didn't fire. All right? And like I said, I just had it to the range a week ago, so that made no sense. I know it was God. I know God said, Desi, you're not allowed to leave yet. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't done using me. And since then, I just keep saying, Lord, here I am. You can have me. I think that was one of my biggest moments of surrender, too, though. I don't want to live anymore, so if you're going to make me stay here, then just have me. And I didn't expect that to be so powerful. I'm all in one way or the other, Yeah. either for you or against you. But either way, I'm all in. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I've spent the last few years um, out of Family Hope. There was a mom support group, sorry to back up a little bit, no, um, called fine. Sweetwater. So for the last five years, I've been part of that group. And I'd say that's who's walked beside me now. That's my biggest support group there. I've got um, the main lady is kind of like a mentor, but she can't pick me because, you know, she runs the thing, so sure. she can't have me. So she did assign me my own mentor, but I reach out to both of them like they were my sisters or my mom, you know. Um, actually, my mentors told me I'm like a daughter to her. Um, it's a very good support group. It has taught me so many parenting tools, um, like filled my toolbox up with tools. So it gave me lots to use and helped me just learn what a parent is. I knew what a parent wasn't. I knew what not to do, but I didn't know what to do. And so you can Google, research some things. You can hear things at some meetings. 
but unless it's founded on the Bible, I don't feel like you're getting the good, solid advice you need. And so Sweetwater is all founded on scripture. So I was able to get really a good godly perspective on what I'm supposed to be doing with True my kids. faith-based. We call yes. ourselves a better life, Brianna's Hope. We call ourselves participant-driven, faith-based, compassion-filled. That's our parent group for our podcast, Faith in Your Recovery. And there's an there's nothing like it. We're not better than anybody else, but we are different, and that's because of Christ. Amen. And, uh, you know, just as it says he's uniquely created us in our mother's womb, I think he has our program, and I think this moment was ordained for you and I to be together today. And I know your story's touched me and many others as well. Thank you. I just hope it gives people a glimpse, no matter how dark it feels right now, no matter how hopeless you can feel in those moments, there's somebody out there that will love you and encourage you, won't judge you, and will hold your hand as you make the right choices for yourself. Somebody cares. Yes. Somebody cares. And it's easier to find them when we care about others. Uh, When it starts with us, it just draws like-mindedness, like spirit together with all of that. Desi, our podcast is Faith in Your Recovery. Go ahead and tell us your definition of that title. What does that mean to you, Faith in Your Recovery? Okay, um, so I don't know that it's I have originally, I'm thinking, okay, you've got faith in yourself to recover, but I think it's more so leaning into your faith that God is your strength. Um, we can't do it on our own, right? Uh, even I've got some people that say, oh, you were able to do it on your own? You didn't need meetings? No, I didn't do it on my own. I definitely did it with God's help. It was all his strength and to him be all the glory. Amen. Yeah. I am, I often use the phrase, you can pray and pray for God to provide the land but he'll never drive your tractor. Mm. Yes. Uh, he'll give you that ground. He'll give you those tools, but you're the one who has to do the work. Uh, he's not going to take that out of our hands. That That's enabling us. Mm-hmm. God's the last to enable anybody, okay? And, uh, yeah, is there anything else you'd like to say or share that you just believe people out there need to hear or you've got to get it off your heart you're never too far gone you've never been through too much you've never been there too long like too long to get out there's always a second chance there's always a way out you just got to do the work got to do the work i have a question that might come across a little difficult uh think back to your mom if you could speak to her right now what would you say to her about Desi and about her her influence on your life? I would just tell her I forgive her. More than anything, I want her to know I forgive her. I've spent a lot of time angry at her, a lot of time idolizing her. But as in my healing, I realized she was a really hurt, broken person that just needed that light. She didn't know how to help, truly, yeah. did she? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. And your dad, if you could tell him where you are today, what would you say to him? Or maybe even that uncle that you mentioned. Um, So I think for my dad, 
he, uh, my little brother just had a baby. So I think that that would have been awesome. Like, oh. I'd love to just tell dad, like, you got another grandkid. Um, dad made a lot of bad choices, but dad had a beautiful heart. Um, he was a very kind man and compassionate. So a big difference there. And I, I did want to share too, that I'm very blessed and thankful that I've been able to, my siblings and I didn't grow up together. I have a sister on my mom's side and a brother on my dad's side. As adults, I've been able to connect with them, and awesome. both of them were going down bad paths of addiction for a while, and I'm really blessed to hopeful that I had a good influence on them, and they're both living much healthier lives now with each of a son of their own, and just living healthier, and I love that for them. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Desi, thank you. Uh, this is powerful. Uh, it's been enjoyable to me number one to meet you number nice two to, to see the see your countenance and folks uh it can be done healing can happen recovery can be just around the corner you may stumble getting there but don't stop the effort keep moving toward it and as we always advise you stay in the battle it's worth fighting because the win at the end, that's God's design. Let it happen in your life. God bless. Take care. Amen.